You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Praise God. I can't even do it. Amen. 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 Good to be here tonight. Amen. But it's all about Jesus. You know, you know our scripture is on the board. We've had a lot of, a lot of powerful messages. And the thing is, is that everything that God has been doing, everything that has been said, everything that has been done, is all to, to glorify God. And you know, I here you look at the religious folks. During the time that John was asked, who are you? And here they asked him, are you the Messiah? And he says, no, I'm not. And he quotes a scripture out of Isaiah. I'm a voice of one calling in the wilderness, preparing the way. But the thing, what grips me and, and gets a hold of my attention more so is that they're asking him, who he is. See, they see something so different in him that they're questioning, who are you? Who are you? Our lifestyle needs to reflect just like John's lifestyle. He reflected upon people. He reflected upon those that are around him. There was something totally different that they couldn't understand. And here we see that even before he was born, here his, his uh, um, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and, and here we see and hear that the, the joy and the leaping of the Holy Spirit was there, was present, before they were even born. That you can imagine the lifestyle that these two boys had growing up. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, knowing that they're different. They're not the same. They're not from this world. See, that's the difference is that we're not of this world, God says. We're just here temporary. But John had something different about him. I want to start reading from uh, the book of John, first first verse, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that had been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Father God, we just come here tonight and give you all the praise, all the glory and honor, Father God. We thank you, Lord God, for your word, Lord God, that has empowered our lives, Lord God, that has touched us, Lord God, that we've received it, Lord God, with joy, Lord God, that we, Lord God, come to a better understanding of what you want to do in our lives, Lord God, as you prepare us, Lord God, for the calling in our lives, Lord God, as you prepare us, Lord God, to be that voice, Lord God, Lord God, of one calling in the wilderness, Lord God, to the lost, the unsaved, Lord God, for those that are blind and those that are deaf and those that are, Lord God, just need healing and deliverance in their lives, Lord God. Even in this city, Father God, awaken this city, Lord God. Awaken lives, Lord God. Have your way here tonight, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, I, I think about the voice, and I think about what God has done in, in my life. You know, the, the message is the voice, the message. Because behind the voice, there's always a message. Behind the Word of God, there's always a message. Behind somebody teaching up at the pulpit, there's always a message. If you're fellowshipping, there's always a message. If you're going to a Bible study, there's always a message. If you're just praying for somebody, God will give you a message of words, of hope, that will change their lives. Tonight is the night to glorify God because He's the one that drawn us to Him. Yesterday, Mark, 35 years ago, when I stepped into a church and got saved, I had no hope. I was strung out on drugs. I was an alcoholic. And I look at my lifestyle, and I look at what I had become before I even came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I had no hope. I was desperate. I had nowhere to go. And I was living out in the streets. And, and, and I would read articles in the paper I could remember about some kind of crusades going on in L.A. area, but never had a, a way of getting there or never made an effort to get there. And I didn't know what they were about, but I, I just knew something down inside of me said there's got to be something going on. There's got to be something about that. But I never made it. Never made it. But yet, walking in the streets and then living out in the streets in Ventura. And I constantly, constantly receiving flyers, receiving tracks. It's amazing how God can bring a message to you even when you're lost, even when there's no hope. And I would see uh, people uh, just tossing them and throwing them to the ground and getting rid of them, crumbling them up, throwing them away. And yet I take the time to read what they had to say. See, one thing that we have to realize is that, is that God 
has a way of getting our attention. He has a way of drawing us to him. Just like when Moses saw that bush burning, it drew him to that bush because he saw the flames, but he didn't see the bush burn. See, God gets our attention some way or somehow to get us to draw to him, to come closer to him, to hear from him, so we can experience something different in our lives. And the thing is, is that it's all for uh, his plan and his purpose for us. We didn't know. We had no idea. We had no way that we would be here today, this day. But you know, every day in, in, in throughout history is recorded somewhere. God records your life somewhere in his books, what you've done, what you didn't do. But it's recorded. But I look at back in my life, I look back at things that took place, I look back at things that I've done that I regret, but I, I couldn't change. I couldn't change what has happened. But I look at the, the incidents and the accidents and, and the turmoil and the, and the, and the headaches and the, and the pain and the suffering that I caused upon my own family because of the lifestyle that I lived. And yet, in the midst of all that, God managed to save my life more than once. Because, see, I was in a wreck back in the 70s that I literally couldn't even walk away from. Head on in a truck to a telephone pole, and that truck just wrapped me up. But that's because I was strung out on drugs. And yet, I woke up later on. I, I recall a little bit of what happened at the scene because I was fighting the paramedics, the police, the fire department, and anybody that was trying to restrain me because of the drugs that was in my system uh, just took over my body. But yet, when I came and, and, and stared in this room that I was in, and all I could see was white around me. All I could see and thought about was, where am I? But then as, it, as I came down from that high, I realized where I was at and, and realized that, you know, I'm in the hospital. But all I saw was white. And you think about, well, what, what, is, what does that mean? But I could never really understand it. But I look at the fact that how God's hand has been on my life more than once. Because, see, I kept doing things and kept doing things, and yet I'm still here. I tried and tried and tried to end my life so many times, and yet was never successful. And even when I was to the point of actually right there, seconds away from ending it all, I hear a voice. I hear a voice. And that voice said that if you take your life, you're going to go to hell. That message stopped me that day. That message stopped me from doing what I was going to do. I didn't change. 
I, I didn't get delivered, but it was a, something that, that clung to my heart, something that really penetrated my soul and let me know that, you know something, I don't know what hell is like, but I don't want to go there. I don't know about you. People complain about the heat here in Las Vegas, but I don't know. I don't think you would want to feel the heat in hell. You read in the Bible about what hell is like. A place of, of fire never ceasing, never stopping, the smell of sulfur, all right? Welling and gnashing of teeth. That's real. But I didn't understand none of that. I didn't understand any of that. All I knew is that I was raised in a religion, and that's all I knew. I knew how, how to be a religious person, and I mixed the things of the world along with the religion, and I ended up being messed up. Religion couldn't help me. Religion couldn't save me. The day that I tried to walk back into that church that I grew up in, and I couldn't even get my feet to take a step because the Lord spoke to me again. Another message. Because you've been going there your whole entire life. And look, it hasn't changed you. We get out of church on Sunday, and first thing that we be doing is going to the bar or going to the liquor store. That, that was my lifestyle. That, that's what religion did to me. It did nothing. But the day that I met Jesus Christ, the day that I, I prayed a prayer, the day that God sent a messenger unto my life and prayed and, and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I got delivered from drugs and alcohol. Right then and there. Because, see, God knew that I had to let it go. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't stop doing what I was doing. Many times I would throw the drugs away, get rid of the beer, get rid of the cigarettes, but the next thing you know, I was doing the same thing. Over and over and over. It just never stopped, never ceased. You know, we think that God doesn't hear us. God hears our cries. God hears the cries of his people when they were in Egypt, when they were crying unto God. He says, God, we're hurting, we're painful, we're suffering, we're being worked and overworked and they're making us do even more work and more work and more work. They were in bondage, they were in slavery, and God heard their voice and God heard their voice and God continued to hear their voice that he had to get Moses' attention to go back to Egypt, which he tried not to do. See, there's always going to be a message out there. There's always going to be a voice out there. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be called by God to do something for the kingdom of God, to save souls, to save lives. Moses didn't want to go back there. Moses thought, well, if I go back there, they're just going to kill me. But God says, what are you worried about? You know, in, uh, in the book of Psalms 23, David wrote something. He says, hey, because... You know, sitting here in the church doesn't make you the church. Coming to church doesn't make you the church. What makes you part of the church and the kingdom of God is being a participant of what God has called you to do. Jesus says, did, 
to pick up your cross. Follow me. Follow me. Pick up your cross, he says, and follow me. See, you have to become disciples. You, you can't just sit here and say, I, I'm a Christian. There, there's a lot of folks out there that say they're a Christian that go to churches that aren't Christian. Because, see, there, we, we were watching one of her programs yesterday, and it was amazing. I was, this guy says he's a pastor and, uh, what's it, uh, Law and Order? Okay. And, and, the, the, and the thing is, is that this, this one deals on, on, on molestation, rapes, uh, uh, incest, all that kind of garbage. All right? But here this pastor got this young man to rape this girl because he says that she has lesbian characteristics in her life, and he tries to justify it through religion. I said, and, and, and then, then you've got the lawyer that's going to back it up and say that it's okay. And then the mom and dad saying, it's okay. That's how twisted and messed up the world is today, because they're going to say it's okay to sin. See, in the kingdom of God, it's not okay. God says that He's called us out from that lifestyle. He's called us out from that sinful nature that we were in. He's called us out from being religious. When I got saved, my, my folks says, you changed religion. No, I got rid of religion. They're brainwashing you. I needed my brainwash. It was so full of garbage, filth, perversion, theft, murder, malice, Whatever was there, my brain needed a lot of washing. And we think, well, I just come to church just to have a place to sit. No. God doesn't want us to come here just to have a place to sit. We come here because we want God to move in our lives. We want God to manifest himself in us. We don't want to leave here the same. We want to be different. We want to be changed. We want to be transformed. We need to come to the altar for that. But no, when Pine comes to, for the pastor to make an altar call, nobody wants to come up to the altar anymore. Well, somebody might see me. Well, guess what? I'll be up here. I might be back there all the time, but my heart's right here. Because why? Because, see, you got to have a heart after God. David had a heart after God. David loved God because of God moving in his life and God showing him and directing him and showing him that he made a mistake. See, when we understand that we're messed up and we make mistakes and we get right with God and we cry out to God, God is going to hear that. But when we keep it to ourselves and say, I'm all right, I'm okay, I got it together. No, we don't. You're only fooling yourself. In Psalms, it says, a fool says in, a, in his heart, there is no God. There is no God. Why? Because he doesn't want to listen and hear what God has to tell him. Because he wants to do his own thing. He wants to be out there doing his own thing. That's why people come here to Vegas. They, they, they like to use that uh, cliche all the time. What comes to Vegas stays in Vegas. Hogwash. You take that sin back with you. You are you. Wherever you're at, you're you. I don't care if you come here and you go back home. You're still you. I used to run away from where I was at, but the one thing I forgot that I took myself with me. 
I was hoping that things would be different. Things would be better. But when I got there, I found out that I'm still me. Messed up. Jacked up. Alcoholic. A drug addict. And that's all I did. Over and over and over and over and over. No matter where I went, I did the same thing. And I did whatever it took to get what I needed. I was even stealing from my own family to get my own drugs just so I can get high. But see, God has a way of exposing us, even to my own family, you know. And yeah, it took a long time for that healing to take place and for that forgiveness to take place. Yeah, and I had to uh, admit up to it. But the hardest thing was that when your mom constantly calls you an a drug addict or an alcoholic all the time and tells you you need to go to programs, AA or whatever. And I said, I don't need that. I got this way because I lived with a family that all, all they did was drink. I became an alcoholic because they put it in front of me when I was, even before I was a teenager. And we think that, oh, well, it's going to change. It's going to be different as I grow up. No, it doesn't change until you admit that you are who you are. And God is the only one that's going to show you and help you to understand that. You don't have to keep coming to church and think that everything's going to be all right. What you need to do is keep coming to the church and tell God, I need help in these areas. I need help in this area. I need help in this area. I need help overcoming this issue. I need help overcoming my habits that I have. But see, the thing is, we come to church and we well, wait a minute. Pastor's going to preach. Wait a minute. Wednesday? I'm going to stay home. Um, it's, it's pretty sad to see the chairs empty on a Wednesday night when they used to be pretty full. Pretty sad. But you know what we need to do? We need to be that voice. We need to have a message for those that are not here too. They might not like to hear it. But guess what? God has called you to tell them. You know what? Yeah, they might not want to be here. They might think that, well, I, I just need to be in the comfort of my home, in my air-conditioned home, and I just need to kick back watching my big screen TV. Later with all that. I could get home and I, I, I could find all kinds of things to do to keep myself busy, but when it comes time for church, I don't want to be here. Why? Because I know that God needs to do something in my life still. I might be saved for 35 years, but guess what? I still need help. I still have to admit I need help. I still have to admit that God needs to do something more in my life. Jesus, in Matthew 10, he's sending out his disciples. And he's telling them, in verse 9, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belt. No bag for your journey or extra shirts or sandals or staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for someone worthy, for some worthy person and stay with that house until you leave. If you enter that home and give, give it your greeting, 
If that home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah for that day of judgment than for that town. See, God says, don't, what, are you, what are you worried about? He says, He's going to provide everything for you. He's going to get everything that you need. Everything that you need to be on your journey to be a witness and to be a messenger for the kingdom of God. You need to be that voice, and God is the one that's going to help you during that travel. He's the one that's going to provide for you. He's the one that's going to give you what you need. You don't have to worry about taking anything extra, he says. Don't worry about taking any money with you. Don't worry about taking any clothes or any shoes with you. Because, see, if he says that where you go, he's going to open up the doors for you. You have to trust in God. You have to believe in God that God's going to do something for you. Even when your family's out of town, guess what? God is providing. You know, that at, we've been married for 32 years, and the thing is is that we've had some rough times. We've had some bad times. We've had times where I hadn't worked even when we first got married. But guess what? We never went without. We never laughed. I and mean, even when we didn't even have food, she was wondering where it was going to come from, and she would cry out to the Lord, and God would provide. She, she went out one day, and, and next thing you know, she, she had nothing in the house, but yet her cousin or somebody came over and brought her a dish of food. You know, we worry so much about how much we need that we go out to the extremes and do things foolishly. We make foolish decisions. We do things on our own. We try to provide for ourselves. But God didn't tell us to do that. We didn't cry to God and ask, God, show me what I need to do. Instead, we went out and made our own decisions, made up our own mind, did our own thing, and now we're messed up. Because we didn't want to trust God to help us and provide for us and make a way for us. And He will. And He will give you what you need. He will give you the desires of your heart. But you know, it comes from trusting in Him. It comes from uh, uh, just giving Him the praise and the glory that He deserves for everything that he, He's done in your life. You know, my brother, when he was up here, Nixon, when he was up here Sunday, all he did was glorify God. All he did was praise God because of what God was doing. God was merciful and gracious for our lives to be here. But yet, here He's in a country where you know, he doesn't have all this luxury that we have. He doesn't have all the, the things that are around that we have. And what they do have, they have to play probably plenty for. Because not every country is easy to live in. There's a, there's a difference wherever you're at, wherever you're brought up at. But see, we're brought up in America. We, we think that, well, gee, you know, we've got it made. People want to come to America... Because they, they see the, the, the they see the land uh, the blessings and they see all the material things and they see all the, the housing and all the businesses and all the uh, skyscrapers and they see all that here in America and they want that they come here wanting everything that you see here in America but when it comes time to say hey uh, uh, what about you know um, what the, this country did for you. 
didn't, didn't they open the door for you? You're not going to be thankful that you're here in America? You're not going to be grateful that, that you're here and, 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 and what you have? But they, they don't think, see it that way. They don't think that way. They don't see that, that it's a blessing to be here. They ha had it bad when they, when they were in their, their country. They had it rough. They, they thought it costed them too much. So they come here to America to, to have a, a, a better life. And yet, they're not thankful at all. They don't, they don't uh, look at our flag and, and, and bring honor to it. Instead, they want to burn the flag. They want to uh, dis, uh, despise the people that live here. They want to put down our country. But yet, they want to be here and enjoy the luxuries that are here. But they, they don't understand. Men and women fought their whole lives century after century to keep America free so we can come to America. People came here to America for a reason. They came here because of religious beliefs, because they wanted a better uh, lifestyle. They wanted to be able to worship God freely without being tortured or punished. And, and, and men and women came here to this country because they trusted in God. But these people want to come to America and they, they don't want to thank God for being here. They don't want to be grateful that God brought them here. All they want to do is find some way of, of just honoring anybody that's around them for everything that they've done for them. But that, that's, that's something else. That's something else. We're here because God grace and mercy. You know, we talk about Adam and lifting Adam up in prayer this past week or so. And then keeping in touch with him, keeping uh, 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 in contact with the hospital to keep up to date on his conditions. And, and it's amazing. Doctor says, you know something? They weren't even going to operate. They said, we, we gave up on him. They literally gave up on him. They said, we can't operate on him. He's not going to make it. But because men and women prayed. You hear me? Men and women prayed. And the difference is that because of prayer, God moves. Because people cry out to God, God moves. We think, well, God's not going to move in my situation. Yes, He will. But are you calling out to him? I call, when I go to work, I have to call out to God because you know something? It's hard for me being back doing what I'm doing right now. It really has been hard. I've been tired. And God knows my heart. I really, really want to get move on and, and find something else. But in the meantime, when I go to work, I still need the strength of the Lord to help me through each day. But I have to give it to Him. I have to call upon Him. You know, it's just like the, the, the message, you know, that, that He gives us. It has to be real in our hearts. You know what? Even, even David, as the prophet came to David and told him a story, and David said, that man should be put to death. And, and the prophet says, you are the man. Isn't that sad? See, a lot of times we don't want to hear what we've done. 
We only want to hear the good stuff. But you know something? The only way we're going to get right with God is when we're confronted with what we've done. A lot of times God just gives us a little space and a little space, but you know, eventually he's going to have to tell you, hey, you messed up. Get it right. See, well, that's probably another reason why people aren't here because, see, they don't want to get it right. They'd rather leave the presence of the Lord and go back to that world that has something to offer them, which is nothing. Because, see, what the world does is it takes everything that you have, everything, takes your soul, too. It takes your life. See, the devil doesn't ask just for a little bit. He says, I want your soul, and I want it in the pits of hell. That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about your life. He doesn't care if you've been serving God. See, you have to ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I literally here? Do you even care about what God has done in your life? See, see God's going to keep speaking to us, but eventually we're going to be like that fool that says in the heart, there is no God. Because, see, that's when we stop listening to the voice. That's when we stop listening to the message that God has for us. See, we have to be awake. We have to be alert. Are we, are we opening up to the Word every day? Are we listening to what He has to say every day? Are we reading and understanding what He has to tell us? See, that's one thing that we have to understand is that if we don't understand it, are we asking God, God, show me, help me, teach me, instruct me. I don't know what this says. I don't. I really need to understand life is about. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about what he's doing in our life. It's about what he wants to do in our family's life. What he wants to do in our co-workers' lives. But the thing is, is that if we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? God put us there. He didn't put your neighbor there. He put you where you're at. And we think, well, God had nothing to do with it. I got news for you. I'm at that job because God's the one to open the door. I did not call them. I did not put a, a resume out to that job. They called me. That's how much God moved in, in our situation for our home that we just recently got. You know what? Our realtor said, oh, they're not going to give you the loan because your job ended already. And in the midst of the job ended on a Friday, and on Monday I got a phone call. On Wednesday they offered me the job. On Thursday uh, the loan officer says, hey, uh, uh, what's going on here? I said, oh, I already got a job. Well, when do you start? Well, I can't tell you that because I have to wait for the background check and all this. It's amazing. God move, move, move. And I, I, I said, I can't tell you anything. I can't give you that answer. It's out of my control. But God provided. God made a way. And, and we got our house. And, and I'm working still. 
And, and all I can say is thank you, Jesus. We need to trust God. You know, we started to, I started, I made the effort, I made the first step of faith, and, and then I came home and said, oh, we're going to get a house. She's still shaking her head. And right after that, my company turns around and gives a notice that the office is closing. Right, right after that. We're already looking at houses. We're already bidding on a house. And the company's closing at the same time. I'm stopping. I'm still getting the house. I'm sorry. But, you know, God didn't open up the door for us to get a house just to close the door on me. We, over the years, we've been praying God to restore what we have lost. And God has restored whatever we lost. We got a home back. Amen. But all, all, the, all the world could see is you can't have it. You can't have it. It ain't going to happen. They're not going to give you the loan. You don't even have a job. You don't even have an income. Not only did I get the job, but I got guaranteed for eight weeks at 80% of my pay that they were going to give me regardless if I did nothing. I'm serious. That's how, it, it was amazing because before, they never offered me anything like that. It was right there in writing. All right, I can, I can, I can deal with that. <laughs> you know? So basically I was guaranteed the same wages of what I was already making for the next eight weeks regardless if it was worth it or not. God moved. You can't say God hasn't moved in your life. God has moved in your life. God has provided even when you didn't expect it. Because see, He knows what your need is. He knows. See, you got to trust in God. You can't just do it on your own. Amen? I'm done for the night. I'm done. I'm done because you know something? God, I put something together and I tried to change it. And God says, remember what you said you were going to do? See, God has his way. You know what? See, I... I I started to rewrite it and do something different. He says, no, God says, you know. And then all he gave me was a bunch of scriptures, and then he didn't even let me use them. Because, you know, I just wanted to come up here tonight and, and glorify God because of what he's done in my life. And know that, that through the years, you know, there's been ups and downs, yeah. There's been... Struggles. I've lost my job out here several times, and and that that's a testimony right there. This company I work for Pep Boys again. I've been hired by Pep Boys for four times now. Four times been rehired, and twice fired from them. And the two times that I've been rehired, they've called me. Now, you know, I don't know, but that ain't me. That's God. Because you know something? 
Both times that I got fired, and both times they called me back to come to work. And, and um, I'm amazed what God can do because you know something? In reality, I don't think anybody's ever gone back to a company that you've been fired from. Amen. We can have the, the lights off and the worship team up here tonight. Amen.